Welcome to the 40th episode of season two of the Indotechno podcast. Salamata Tangsumunya. I'm Alan Hallowell, founder of tech consultancy Gizmo Advisors. While we have uncovered many aspects of Indonesia's arrival onto the global tech stage over the past nearly 70 episodes of the Indotechno podcast, there are still some sobering realities which continue to limit our progress across multiple fronts, one of which is basic access to online content for its citizens. According to a World Bank study released just a few weeks ago, roughly half of adult Indonesians have not yet used the internet. You heard that right. 50% of adult Indonesians have yet to connect to the internet. This is an absolutely stunningly low level for a country that has seen so much ecosystem development over the past 10 years. Part of this problem relates to Indonesia's slow internet speeds. The country currently ranks number 112 in terms of mobile internet speeds, sandwiched between Kenya and Chile. Today's guests are dedicated to bringing content to those who don't have the same access that you and I do, largely by reinvigorating the neighborhood corner store as a hub for access to online content. We're pleased to have Barrett Komiski, founder and CEO of Migo, and his colleague Dan Connor, CEO of Migo Indonesia, join us today. Thanks for taking time out to join us on the Indotechno podcast, gentlemen. Yeah, Alan, I and the team have been long fans and super delighted to join you and thank you for hosting today. Thank you so much for hosting, Alan. It's great to be here and share with all your listeners some of the real on-ground challenges that Indonesians are facing and how Migo is helping support those. Fantastic. Well, I wanted to start exactly there, guys. I wanted to start by finding out exactly what our offering is. Can you help our audience to envision what exactly Amigo-enabled Wadong can offer people in the neighborhood? Maybe starting with you, Barrett? Yeah, I'll start with the vision, then I'll pass it over to Dan, who can explain exactly what we're doing today today. So our overall vision is to transform the corner store into a brilliant digital superstore. And for consumers, they stop by a place they already go every day, download as much content as they like without spending a single rupiah. For Warung owners, their stores draw more traffic, they have more dwell time, more revenues from Mio sales and other related products. And for communities, these are digital bulletin boards where community members can access healthcare, education, other relevant digital information. That's the vision. We make that reality with hardware and a UX that Dan can brief you on. So for millions on millions of Indonesians, they have smartphones and therefore they have on paper access to the internet. But the networks in their neighborhoods are just so bad that it's really not worth using any kind of service that uses much more data than WhatsApp or Facebook. What we do is we make our Warung Migo, where customers can come to those locations, download content hyper fast. It takes one minute to download a feature film and then take it away and use it totally offline. With zero buffering does not eat into their internet quota at all. The only cost they pay is our really small subscription fee. Now, Dan, thanks for that. But consumers in Indonesia indeed have a number of ways to enjoy content online. There have been OTTs like Hook and iFlix, and some of these guys have really struggled. Can you compare the Migo offering with those services and why we are more advantaged? Yeah, that's a great question, Alan, because I think it gets to a really common misperception about Migo, which is that we are just another video service that competes head-to-head -head with some of the ones that you named. Migo actually is a data distribution service. Our research shows 
that 80% or 85% of the Indonesians that we survey have never tried these long-form movie streaming services like the ones that you mentioned. Why is that? It's because of the internet access problem. Migo solves that. So by allowing people to download films hyper-fast, incredibly cheaply, in neighborhoods where they don't have great internet access today, we actually open up the market for services like some of the ones that you mentioned. Maybe another question for you, Dan. What is the pricing for Migo's quote-unquote sachet passes, and what is the most common way for consumers to pay for the service? As Barrett mentioned, downloading from Migo's network is free because it costs us almost nothing every time a consumer downloads something. What we do charge for is time-limited sachet content unlock passes. So today, you can unlock and watch as many films as you have downloaded from our film library for 3,000 rupiah for one day or 30,000 rupiah for 30 days. So to get starting at 1,000 rupiah, seven US cents per day for unlimited access with zero buffering, zero ads is actually a really compelling proposition for consumers. Once the pass expires, it's all locked again. They can delete it. They can download more. They can buy another pass and watch again. But that's the basic proposition. And in terms of how they pay, the vast majority pay in cash to the watering owners that host our equipment. I'm really glad you asked about price. I think when you're going after the mass market, price point is everything. And by pricing it 1,000 rupiah per day today and removing that data bill shock, we believe that's the transformative development that allows access to the mass market. And that being said, that's for our entertainment offering. As a distributor across many categories, we're working with our upstream partners to find the right price points for them. Some products may be entirely free. Some may be priced higher if it's a life-changing educational certification for you. We have that flexibility to price it, whatever makes sense. Interesting. So truly unlocking a new demographic here. Now, another question for you, Barrett. Is Migo revenue exclusively derived from subscriptions, or do we have advertising, equipment, or consulting revenues, or any other revenues for that matter? We've made a very interesting choice, as the vast majority of the internet economy is predicated on the audience aggregation, i.e. advertising model. But the classic product model involves a direct, straightforward look the consumer in the eye and ask them to pay you what you think your product is worth i.e. the Apple and Coca-Cola model, among many others. And that's the choice that we've taken to be entirely consumer paid so that we can really force ourselves to deliver amazing consumer experiences. That being said, as we scale, there may be a wide variety of revenue generating models, but really to enforce that discipline on the product, we've taken a purely consumer paid model to kick off. Very useful. I wanted to focus on one component of that equation, being the hardware. I know one common lamentation that founders on the Indotechno podcast have shared over the past many episodes is that the low-end Android phones that many in Indonesia own don't even have enough memory to install the apps they want. So Dan, how do we address this bottleneck with what must be a service involving large file sizes? You're right. That's a common lamentation. It's something that other people in the startup and tech community say to me a lot. But actually, we check the available memory of every single phone that connects to our network. And over 95% of them have at least enough storage space for four to five films at our compression level. 
we're a convenience service. We don't even want customers to download 100 films at a time. The habit that we are encouraging and the habit that most customers seem to want is to download two or three films. That's enough for a couple of days. A few days later, they're back at the Watering Amigo and they can pick up a little bit more content for the next few days. So it fits pretty nicely with available space and with consumer habit, given how fast our download speeds are. So there's no real need to store so many films on your device. And on top of that, we're actually next month releasing doubled compression. So we'll be able to have eight to 10 films at least on over 95% of the devices that we encounter. An average hour and a half long movie, what kind of compression can we achieve? What's interesting is we actually can let consumers choose. We offer a range. It can be really fast and small, or it can be HD and a little bit bigger. As Dan said, we look at trying to make sure we can deliver at least three, four, five films to each consumer's device. Understood. Now, Barrett, we mentioned that Migo quote-unquote levels the digital playing field for 3 billion under-innovated consumers. What's the cost of that? What is the initial equipment cost of enabling a Wadong with our equipment? And how long does it take to make our money back? Let me talk first at kind of the high level, and then I'll zoom in on the water. If you want to build a new telco in a market like Indonesia, that's a, it's a five or 10 or, or more billion dollar proposition. And with the funds that we've recently received from Haritano and MNC, 40 million bucks, that's going to let us cover about 100 million Indonesians across 10,000 warrants. So the overall investment and the payback is incredibly efficient compared to other approaches, specifically in terms of on-ground results. I think they speak for themselves. I mean, the revenues per warrant have been doubling every three months, their contribution margin positive within the second month, and the CapEx payback is less than a year, which we're very comfortable with. Excellent. So Barrett, going back to a point you referenced earlier, how do we deliver data more cheaply than alternatives? Yeah, so we started with the proposition that in order to make this relevant for the mass market, it needs to be a dollar a week or less. What we've done is we've built a unique 50-strong person innovation center here in Taiwan and invested tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of man years, and built a proprietary system that reimagines the backhaul using satellite, reimagines the last mile using the proven reality of convenience retail, and takes a kind of hyper-distributed content delivery network approach to put tens of thousands of hours of content very near to the point of the demand. And when you put all of this together, the all-in cost per customer, CapEx per sub, is 100 times less than 3G, 4G, SpaceX, any of the other approaches. Trying to solve different complementary problems, not trying to solve the problem that we're actually solving. Understood. Now, Dan, how do we cite locations for the MDS solution? This is a really big issue for us that we've put a lot of effort into in a way that is not for many other companies that people think about at the same time. We've got a whole team headed by a woman named Isoe Booty. She's a telco siting engineer with 15 years of experience. And they build proprietary models to look at how people move around the city and all over the country. When they're deciding what regions to roll out into first, we look for areas that have three things. It needs a dense population. It's better if the quality of the local cellular networks is worse. 
And we look for areas where there are people in our target income market. So basically less wealthy. Those are the areas where the opportunity for Migo is most ripe. That sort of defines regions. Then we actually get down to a very micro level where we look at how individuals move about intersections. So we can pinpoint exactly the places that have two key features, which is one, very high numbers of people go by specific locations. And two, they have moderate dwell time. So they stick around for five minutes or 10 minutes. What that looks like is it's often places like Watertug, where they're going to buy their lunch and hang out for 15 minutes. And by the way, you can download some films, which you can watch this weekend while you're doing that. Now, Dan, how many locations do we have now? And what are our 2021 and 2022 year-end targets? So on Thursday, we passed our 500th location landmark, which we're pretty proud of. Back in May, we had just over 100 locations. So that's 5x in five months. And by the end of this year, we will have over 1,000 locations. Those right now are scattered around the three provinces in the western part of Java, West Java, Banten, DKI, Jakarta. And we have those thousands already selected. So it's really just a matter of putting the boxes out there. Beyond that, next year, we are going to be rolling out 10,000 locations, which are going to be all over Java. Java has a population of about 145 million people. And our aim is to be within convenient daily reach of at least 100 million of those. That's very possible. We've already identified the areas that we need to roll out into, and we're just in the process right now of identifying the exact locations and the exact partners to do that with. Wow, clearly massive expansion ahead. Now, MNC Group recently invested $40 million in Migo Indonesia, which I assume is indeed elemental to these expansion plans that you just mentioned. Barrett, how did we identify them as the right strategic equity partner and what are our plans going forward with them? Pakari Tano, who I've known for a number of years, is the perfect partner for us. He has built with his bare hands the leading media conglomerate with widely loved content and a rich portfolio of distribution assets in which he's attempted to bring on-demand entertainment to the mass market and been unable without a solution like Migo. That's the one plus one equals four of Migo and MNC, or as he and I personally like to joke, the one plus one equals 10. We can combine their vast resources with our unique technology to accelerate the digitization of mass market Indonesians and bring them into the rich modern experience that you and I benefit. If you think about Migo as an FMCG-like player, FMCG meets digital. So you have to formulate it, you have to package it, you have to price it, you have to distribute it. We've done all of that. But then you also have to market it. And with the stable of content brands that he has, of celebrities, his vast FTA audience, it's an incredible accelerant for the marketing, the customer acquisition, and the ongoing usage of the Migo service. He has a 50 million plus FTA audience, 40, 50% primetime market share, but a very, very modest SVOD customer base. The theory of the combination is to build an FTA scale audience but with SVOD level monetization. And that's just the beginning. He has, and the group has interests in banking, in gaming, in music, in other related content forms. And as Migo runs our 7-Eleven iTunes playbook, we expect all kinds of rich collaboration to co-innovate, co-develop with him, as well as other parties. I want to make it clear. The MNC investment is in Migo as a platform 
And MNC believes that the country and the citizens will be best served by having Migo be a completely open platform. And we have content from competitors to MNC, et cetera. So it's a really rich combination where we accelerate the digitization while being independent. Understood. So Dan, tell me more about this content of ours. What in your mind are the highlights of our content offering? What, for instance, are the most popular categories currently? It's important to remember that we will eventually have a large number of digital product lines. We're looking into things like financial services, e-commerce, anything you can do online that doesn't require real-time two-way connectivity. Right as of today, we have two product lines. We have entertainment content and we have educational support materials. If we talk first about our entertainment content offering, which is the biggest one, there's four things that we find our customers are loving and we've been providing and doubling down on. The first one is high quality Indonesian theatrical blockbusters. So that's across genres like action. If we're talking about The Raid or Gundala, we've got horror, films like Donor, we've got that. Customers love these high production value releases that are actually difficult to watch for them in many other places. The second category is the best local series. And this is one of the reasons we love MNC so much. We get from them content like Preman Pension, Ikatan Chinta, Roman Pichisan, a wide range of these other series that many customers love to watch every day with their families. But if they miss that, or if they happen to be away from the TV, they can catch up on Migo now. Third category is K-dramas. The K-wave, we all know, has taken over Indonesia and is still huge. So SBS, KBS, titles like Penthouse, for example, do great on Migo. The fourth one is kids, not in terms of minutes watched, but in terms of titles downloaded. Kids is our biggest category because everyone loves to entertain their kids. And it's great if you can do that without spending lots of your telco budget on doing so. Thanks for all that color, Dan. Uh, Follow-up question, with whom do we partner on educational content? And can you describe for us how exactly the customer avails themselves of that service? We have two sort of educational offerings right now. One is more the commercial one. In that, we're partnering with companies like Xenius, like Sokola Move, for example. These companies have created absolutely fantastic educational support materials that aid students in doing better at school or in courses that they are taking. Now, the challenge that many of these companies have is that only 5 or 10% of Indonesian students actually have the data access to use services like this on the internet. So by making them available on Migo's network, students can come to a watering Migo, download the content that supports whatever they're studying at the time, and take it away and engage with it. And it's the same sort of pricing and packaging as we use for entertainment. The second thing we're doing, which is at an earlier stage, is partnering with government bodies. Right now, we've partnered with the Ministry of Education and Research and Technology, Commendekbud, where they have a huge studio that produces massive volumes of content that is aligned with their curriculum. We make available the most popular content from that actually for free today so that public students can be supported by that. And we're also in discussions with them and with local education bureaus and schools to actually put MDS in schools which would only contain educational support materials and would therefore allow teachers to direct their students to the MDS to gather more content to support their learning 
after a lesson. Barrett, what is our collaboration specifically with the Samporna retail community? I believe that they have some 130,000 stores across Indonesia. So what are we doing with them? If we go back to our FMCG 101 formula, formulate the product, package it, price it. That's our technology, essentially. Market it downstream. Of course, we have to distribute. We have to be available and convenient for our customers. And so as we all know, there are millions of warungs all throughout the country integrated into the daily fabric of Indonesians' lives. Samporna is an excellent example of an FMCG principal who has gone a bit above and beyond, and they have selected the top 5 or 10% of their existing customers and helped train them, develop them, help them improve. And these are really the 10% of the wadongs from an entrepreneurial mindset of the owner perspective. And where Migo comes in is some SRC, Samporna, wants to bring interesting new value creating, revenue generating propositions to their premium tier SRC partners. The idea of, wow, only one out of every 10 or one out of every 20 Wadongs is a place where you can go to pick up your digital content is a really differentiating factor at the Wadong level and will drive traffic, will drive incremental revenue. And of course, we have lots of other interesting collaborations that we can't talk about at the moment, but you can imagine on the product development side to create even stickier programs for their customers and our customers. Understood. Now, Barrett, before launching in Indonesia, we were first in the Philippines. Do we envision going back now that the model seems to have been validated in Indonesia, or are we eyeing a more regional expansion in general through 2022? Some of the original inspiration for Migo came from Indonesia. I'm a surfer. I've been a surfer for 25 years, traveled all over the world and, and all over the archipelago, spending time with everyday Indonesians and understanding their reality is part of the core DNA of the company and the vision. We did use the Philippines as an opportunity to pilot and test it out and prove it out, iterate on the product, et cetera. And we love that market. It's 100 million people strong. And absolutely, as we've now gained initial success and we will continue to scale in Indonesia, we are aiming to expand five, five years from now. We want to be in all of the relevant large emerging markets of two or three billion pops, let's call it. Will the Philippines and all of our friends there play a strong role in that over the coming months and years? Absolutely. And we have visions and aspirations to grow beyond that at a measured pace that's going to make sense from an operational and scaling perspective. Understood. Gentlemen, absolutely fascinating to discuss with you the acute pain points and bottlenecks that still surround internet access and content delivery and what we're doing to break that impasse for the underserved Indonesian. Really looking forward to seeing Migo's progress and its success in unlocking this access, particularly for the long tail of the Indonesian consumer base. Thanks again for joining, guys. Thank you for hosting today. Thank you so much for hosting, Alan. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih telah menengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi.